And the Lord said. No, you can program it. It's fun. That's how it works. Anyway, guys, great to see you. Really is amazing. We've had so much water, we've got no water. How does that work? There's too much water, so we've got none. And um, sorry for those that are battling. Isn't it amazing? A thing that you need for life can actually destroy you at the same time if it's not worked and channeled. I think there's probably a preach in there somewhere. And um, it's amazing what you can get for a preach. And, uh, but really, is, I hope you are well. I hope you, if you need water, we have water here. If you need to charge your electrical stuff, we've got electricity here. Fortunately, we're on top of the station, so we don't have load shedding and we normally have water. And um, so please do help yourself if you need to or you need to just please use, use us. Use us. Anyway, so um, the resurrection of Jesus. It's absolutely been profound. I've been working in my heart, Lord, what is it that we need to talk about today? Kind of, I know we know it's kind of the resurrection. We've got we to gotta talk about not just the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, if I had to say to most people, why did Jesus come? I reckon 80% of people would say he came to die for my sin. So we kind of have a paradigm of dying. But do we have a paradigm for resurrection? Because actually without the resurrection, the death means nothing. In fact, Paul blatantly says that if you do not have faith for the resurrection, if the resurrection did not happen, what we are doing, we've got nothing. We've got no message. So actually, the resurrection is the big idea in Scripture. And we, we find it difficult because in our mind, we kind of, we don't, we're not used to seeing people coming back from the dead with a glorified body. But we do have an, a, a mindset for people dying. So we kind of gravitate towards the death of Jesus more than we do to the life of Jesus, the resurrection life of Jesus. But I want to say to you this morning, we have resurrection life from Jesus. Because of the death of Jesus, we get to participate in the life of Jesus which is really the big idea. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 says this. Remember this. This was Paul's gospel. I've said this a few times over the last couple of weeks. Remember Christ, Jesus, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, Paul says, the one that, that I'm in chains for. The one that I'm prepared to die for is this gospel. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Remember, Jesus is the big idea, but it wasn't just Jesus the big idea, and it wasn't just the death of Jesus. It was Jesus raised from the dead and descended from David, meaning he was the Messiah King. He was the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. He was the one that was going to put everything back together again and restore things, redeem things, and put things back together again. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Today is a day we remember Jesus is raised from the dead. You know why, why church happens on a Sunday? It didn't happen because somebody in the 16th century decided that would happen. It happened way back in Jesus' day. When after the Sabbath, which was the end of the week, Jesus rose again on the Sunday, which becomes the first day of the week. It's new creation. And so the church started meeting on the day of new creation, Sunday. So every time we meet on a Sunday, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. As a church, as believers, we need to get a hold of what the resurrection means for us. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection 
of Jesus. It's just over Easter we specifically, intentionally highlight it in a moment. So, the resurrection. I mean, you could go through all sorts of theological claims about the resurrection of Jesus. I could tell you this, that the resurrection of Jesus validates all the claims that he made about himself. I could tell you this, that the resurrection demonstrates the Father's acceptance of the Son. I could tell you this, the Son's sacrifice as the perfect Lamb. I could tell you this, that the resurrection is a sign of the future invading the present. The, the thing that blew their minds was that somebody was raised from the dead now, not at the end of the age. It blew their minds. They didn't have a paradigm for it. And so they killed him. That, for Jesus in the first place, they killed him. Then he raised, he's raised from the dead. It it's kind of blows all the paradigms in their minds. I could tell you these theological things. I could tell you this, that the resurrection is evidence that Christ defeated death. We spoke about that on Friday morning. Christ defeated death. Death is no longer the enemy it used to be. Death is no longer something that holds it in us in its grip. But actually death becomes the doorway in which we move from the temporal and the imperfect to the eternal and the perfect. Death is not something to be feared for the believer. Death is, is when we get everything we've hoped to get in this life, in the next. Death, friends, is not the worst thing that can happen to us. Dying without Jesus is the worst thing that can happen to us. I could tell you that resurrection is evidence that Christ has defeated death. That the resurrection frees us from the fear of death. And that matters because we're all going to die. Happy Easter. <laughs> the resurrection theologically can assures us and makes a guarantee of our own future resurrection. It's, all of these things are theological things that I want, I, I could, we could literally preach on every one of these. But I've been, my attention has been drawn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'd love us to go there. As you're getting there, I, I'm amazed at, I, I started reading the, all the instances after Jesus was raised from the dead where he encountered people. I was going to do a preach on, on what the resurrection does for us, what the resurrected Jesus does for us. And I went, I was looking at all the moments when Jesus ministers to people. And one of the things that stood out to me was, you know the first person that he reveals himself to? Mary Magdalene. The lady that had seven demons cast out of her. It's incredible, friends. The kingdom of God, the resurrection of God, encounters and welcomes all the underachievers in the world. All those that were sidelined. She was a woman. She was demonized. And she had a bad reputation. Jesus chooses him, her to go and reveal himself to her. You see, friends, the kingdom of God, and this is so absolutely vital for us. The kingdom of God is not for good people. The kingdom of God is for humble people. In fact, it's your goodness that gets in the way of God's mercy and grace. 
if you think you're good and you can, good, you can perform your way into the kingdom. You miss the grace that could be yours because of the goodness that is inherently in you, you think. God gathers the outcasts and the undesirables to a table of grace and releases the kingdom of God to them. It's incredible what Easter does for us, friends. I love this quote from Philip Yancey. He said this, Imperfection is the prerequisite for grace. Light only gets in through the cracks. Imperfection is a prerequisite for grace because light only gets in through the cracks. I love that. Don't let your goodness get in the way of the grace of Jesus. Don't let your own image of yourself get in the way of the mercy and grace of God because God doesn't come to good people. He comes to humble people. People that know that they need him. Know that they need him. 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. In fact, from verse 3. Blessed be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power, so these people, this, the us in the previous verse, the us, he has caused us, these people, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice now, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing that so that sorry, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to talk about how the resurrection gives you a living hope. And that without the resurrection, resurrected Jesus, it's very, very difficult to have a living hope. Especially if you live in KZN. Looting, flooding, COVID, the whole lot. Friends, we are born again into a living hope. It's a hope that can't die. It's a hope that has got eternal life attached to it and in it. And more than that, it's you'll be born into an inheritance. So you're born into a living hope, but you're born into an inheritance that is kept for us by God in heaven. It doesn't mean we, go, we only find it when we go to heaven. It means that God guards it in heaven. It's imperishable. It's undefilable. It's unfading. The call of God in your life, the purpose and the destiny of your life is, is kept by God for you. And, and it doesn't change. This is what he's trying to get to the, these, these, 
people that he's writing to are under pressure, they're under suffering, they're under, under torment, and he's trying to encourage them. And he goes on and he says, but you've got to guard this by faith. It's got to be guarded by faith. So, so we have this living hope, we have this incredible inheritance, but you've got to, it's guarded by faith. It's got to be, it's, it's by faith in the resurrected Jesus that you access the, the living hope, which gives you access to the inheritance that God has for us. And what it results in, as you, as you go to the end of that text, you see twice, he says in verse 6, he says this, in this you rejoice now. And in verse 8, he says, though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. So the resurrected Jesus gives us a living hope. He gives us an inheritance that doesn't spoil, fade, or get damaged in any way because God guards it for you. You access it by faith, but you've got to, and, it, and it releases joy. This is where we find joy. You see, the reason why we can have joy, we don't drum up joy. Joy is the fruit of a living hope, an inheritance that is found in a resurrected Jesus. That's where you find joy. That's why we have joy. We can find joy in the midst of all sorts of chaos because we have a living hope. And the living hope is not earthly, it's heavenly. Which is, and, and what God has for us is heavenly. I'm repeating myself. So, how do we find living hope? Well, we don't find it, we're given it. You're born into it. You're born again into a living hope. I want to remind us of the living hope that we have and how important it is for you to have hope. I don't know if anybody's heard of the, the name Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist and he spent three or four years in the concentration camps. He was a Jewish man. He lost his whole family, his wife, his children, except for his sister in the, in the concentration camps. But he survived. And his story, he's written a book called The Meaning of Life. And he, he tells the story of, of his experience in the concentration camps. So you must remember the concentration camps are a consolidation of extreme hardship, fear, and suffering all put into one year that a person would probably have over their whole lifetime. So it's hectic. There's no hope. And so what, what he recognizes is that people would be, would be absolutely devastated by this. And you would get different groups of people. Some people would just get violent. Friends, we're a violent nation because we don't have hope. And the reason why we don't have hope is because we don't know Jesus. We don't know the resurrected Jesus. Because the resurrected Jesus gives you hope. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of a concentration camp, you can find hope. And if you don't find hope, one of the responses is you get violent. One of the other responses that you can do, you can just get apathetic and just, oh, that's it, I'm done. Another response that he, you, people start to live in a fantasy world. We live in unreality. Some of the church lives in that as well. And then other people literally just curled up on the floor and died. Just, that was it. Broken heart. Dead. 
And what he noticed was this. The small group of people that survived that extreme torment were people that had hope. You know to survive a death camp? Find hope. And the way, and the way that people found hope, in fact, he, he says this. He's got this little equation. He says despair equals suffering minus meaning. D equals S minus M. If you go through suffering and you don't have hope, you don't have meaning, it ends up in despair. And so what he realized is he realized the people that had hope and the way that people found hope and the way that people, he, what he would do is you'd see bakers. There were bakers in their previous life. Suddenly they would start making bread. Musicians would start playing music. And a psychologist as he was started counseling people and it restored their hope. You know why? Because hope and meaning is not found in yourself. It's found outside of yourself. You see, friends, you cannot have hope outside of the resurrected Jesus. The hope, our meaning and our life and our hope comes from outside of us. And it's when we give ourselves to others in love, purpose rekindles and hope revives. And he found this out in the concentration camps. He may, he's got this famous line. He says, the suffering ceases to be suffering as soon as it finds meaning. Friends, as the church, as believers, even at the point of death, people go to the, get martyred. You know why they have the strength to do that? It's because the hope that they have, the purpose that they have, the meaning that they have is beyond this life, it's in the next. So even at the point of death, people face it with hope and meaning. The way you survive a death camp, the, the way you survive suffering or hardship is to, is to put yourself into a future, is to have hope, is to find purpose. Think of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, this is why in the, in the, in the Christian walk, in the walk with Jesus, big words like endurance, perseverance, patience. They're big words in the, in, because life is not easy, friends. You don't come to Jesus and life gets easy. You come to Jesus and he helps you get through it. You find hope that is bigger than the circumstances. You find purpose that, is, that transcends the, the hardship. And, you begin, and as you begin to love, you connect with the hope and the purpose of life. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the Father. The way that Jesus got there, friends, is because of the joy set before him. It is because the hope and purpose that he had. He knew he would suffer, but many others wouldn't have to. 
So it, it enabled him to get through the cross. He was a man just like us. He was a human being just like us, living with the same fears, living with the same potential fears. And for those that must bring hope, we've got to be carriers of this hope, friends. And the resurrected Jesus gives us that hope in South Africa, in Durban, today when there's flooding and no electricity. And things seem to be going chaotic. I think it was Viktor Frankl that said this as well. What is to give light must endure burning. What is to give light must endure burning. You want to be full of light? Burn. Burn for him with hope. Burn for him with purpose. Burn for him with, with an expectation of what God can do through you. Remembering that we don't, death, death has lost its thing. We're not scared of dying. I'm scared of my family being without me. But not death itself. Death has lost its sting. So, so we can live big for God and risk for God and live by faith for God and have hope and patience and endurance to live for what he has for us. So what happens here now? So, so there's this faith, living hope there's this inheritance that doesn't ever spoil, fade, or, or dilute itself. So if the inheritance doesn't change, and we're born into this living hope, what does change? We change. We need to change. If God says, this is for you, it never changes, You've got to posture, we've got to posture ourselves to put us in ourselves in a position to receive what he's given us, hope and purpose, a living hope. The variable, friends, in all of this is faith. What do you really believe? What do we really believe about the resurrected Jesus? And you see, faith, friends, can I just say this? Faith is, is not willpower. Believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it. That's not faith. The more people do that, the more they show that they don't have faith. Faith is a posture and disposition of absolute trust to the goodness and the goodness and the love and the generosity of a God that's got our futures. And it might be difficult, but he's got our futures. And if I don't pay my part, my kids are not going to get what they're meant to have. And if those kids don't get what they're meant to have, my grandchildren are not going to get what they're meant to have. So I play my part and, I'm, and, I, and I don't lose hope. It's not willpower. Friends, it's not inspirational memes. All over, just... Turn the frown upside down. Not going to help you. Not going to help you. Neither is it denial. No. How did Jesus do it? Friends, Jesus, the night before he is, has to endure this absolute agony. He's not like walking around the garden and saying, I believe it. I believe you. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. Turn my frown upside down. Turn my frown upside down. <laughs> He's on his knees before the Father, saying, Father, please, I don't know if I can do this. Please take this from me. 
please take this from me. He starts to sweat blood. You see, friends, faith doesn't look like there's nothing wrong. Faith is not denial. Faith is real. He, he, he enters the Psalms of lament and protest and he begins to wrestle with his father. And he starts to sweat blood. He's, he's so anguished. And eventually he finds faith and he says, but Father, not, let my, not my will be done, but your will be done through me. Amen. Friends, this living hope that we've got is not skipping down the road singing Kumbaya. It's a tough walk. It needs patience. It needs perseverance. It needs endurance. It needs faith. This is what Jesus did. Are we going to do anything different, friends? Hallelujah to whoever you said that. <laughs> See, this living hope that, that comes because of faith, when, there's a, when, when, there, when, when pain and suffering encounters hopeful people, you know what it does to hopeful people? It grows and matures them. When, when pain and suffering, when... when, when, when when this thing encounters people that have faith in the, living, in the risen Jesus, in a living hope, in an inheritance that cannot spoil or fade, what it does, it actually transforms them to be people that are more like Jesus. When it encounters people that have got no faith, we end up being dead wood instead of a living hope. Friends, on Easter Sunday, we need to find, we need to have a picture. I'm saying, God, please reveal yourself to us as the resurrected Jesus that gives us a living hope. A living hope in the midst of all that we are going through. And he goes on, he goes on to, to, to talk about this faith and he uses a metal, metallic illustration. He says faith is like gold. And, and gold, the way gold gets refined, it goes through testing and tempering. It goes through heat, it goes through fire. And it gets and your faith is more precious than gold. God is in the process of refining his church to a faith so that they can see the living hope that is in Christ. And man, it is difficult. Because I also need to read the newspapers. And I also see people being elected into positions that are crooks. And I think, God, what are we going to do? How's this going to happen? What's going to happen to this country? Again, I've got to take my eyes off of the politicians. I've got to take my eyes off everything down here. And I've got to put my eyes on the resurrected Jesus. Say, Jesus, you are a living hope. Give us living hope. Give us an inheritance that cannot spoil and fade. I put my, you are guarding it. It's not mine, it's yours. Lord, help, give me the courage to walk into it. Give me the faith. Help me to know that. Help me to see that. I don't want to be discouraged. I want to be somebody that's filled with inexpressible joy because I want to burn because I want to be a light to those around me. But I can tell you, friends, ask my wife. I go through moments and I just get so negative and so cynical. And then I have to preach this preach. Idiot. You see, friends, hope is forged in faith. 
Hope is forged in faith. Faith in the resurrected Jesus. Faith in a resurrected Jesus. When we have faith in a resurrected Jesus, we enter a living hope. That living hope, friends, outworks itself and it finds, it finds purpose. Because the way you live out of hope, when you've got hope, purpose naturally follows. Because when you've got hope, you want to give other people the hope. Guess what? You end up finding purpose. Now you become the one that's counseling the other prisoners. You become the baker that's baking the bread. You become the, the musician that's playing the music for those that are in the concentration camps of life. Faith gives us a living hope in which we find our purpose. And the end result of that, friends, is inexpressible joy. We don't find joy. We find faith and hope. And it, the fruit of it is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's incredible how Jesus, with the joy set before him, the joy of seeing you and I set free from our shame and guilt and sin. You see, purpose is always hope outworked in love, it's always for another. You don't get healed in yourself. You get healed by finding hope, the living hope that is in Jesus. And from that extracting purpose, but that purpose always founded in love, friends. It's always living for the best of others. It's always. And that's when we find joy. You can't find joy by living for yourself. You find joy by living for Jesus and living for others. It's so simple. That's what Jesus did for us, friends. Today, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He's not a dead wannabe Messiah. He's a risen king. He's a risen king. He's no longer the lamb that was sacrificed. He's a king that roars. And he roars life and he roars hope into our hearts and he puts purpose into our hearts and we like Viktor Frankl can find meaning in him and find an inexpressible joy through that. That's what the church, that's what we're trying to do, friends. We're going to break bread now. And I want us, I love us as we break bread. My prayer is, Lord, as we break bread, when Jesus came and he said, this is my body, and he said, this is my blood. I'm praying that God's going to fill us with living hope. God's going to reveal to us the inexhaustible, unfading, unspoiling inheritance that we have in him. For us to live in now. I pray God is going to rekindle purpose in our lives and fill us with joy.